0: Our second scripture today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. Hear now the word of the Lord. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, "'My little daughter is at the point of death. "'Come and lay your hands on her "'so that she may be made well and live.' So Jesus went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians, Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he entered the house, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion? and weep. The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately, The girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. I used to believe that I was really supposed to read these stories of healing and be filled with joy. The miraculous stoppage of the woman's hemorrhage should give me comfort. The restoration to life of a girl who had been declared dead should give me hope. The psalmist sings of a God who turns mourning into dancing, of a God of liberation and gladness. Stories like this invite us to sing along with that song of gratitude. And yet, perhaps many of you share my ambivalence about stories like these. Miracles are like exclamation points, lightning bolts of supernatural power punctuating the teaching and preaching of Jesus. They give credibility to the claim that he is the divine Son of God. And they sure do attract a crowd. And it's no wonder that they do. Ailments of body and mind and spirit are as commonplace as crows. Even if your health is pristine, you know and love someone who suffers from something. Of course, the people flock to be in the presence of one who has the ability to heal. Of course, believers love the image of Jesus as the great physician. And yet, perhaps many of you share my ambivalence about stories like these. So long as there are miracle stories, there will be rational thinkers who question the physics of it all. Thomas Jefferson's who cut out the unreasonable parts in favor of a Jesus who says wise things but does not, for instance, cast out demons, unintentionally stop hemorrhages, or successfully tell dead girls to get up. The implausibility of miracle stories isn't the stumbling block that trips me up, though. Most of the time, I am able to suspend my skepticism and believe that, yes, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is capable of staunching blood flow and restarting heartbeats. Even when I wonder if some of the gospel stories happened literally, I don't doubt that they reveal the healing and compassionate spirit of God. What does make my reading of these stories bittersweet is that I cannot, in good conscience, preach that everyone who prays to Jesus for healing will be cured of their ailments. You know as well as I do that many illnesses are not conquered, not by medicine, and not by supernatural intervention. Most people who die stay dead. That being the case, how much... Can these stories really be a source of joy and comfort and hope? What does it matter that Jesus is this great physician if he cannot, or worse, will not, mend all of our broken bones and shattered hearts? In all honesty, when I reread the scripture this week, I just felt tired. Here we go again, God. Another story that is supposed to be good news, yet succeeds in stirring up deep fears and unanswerable questions. How come faith and a garment hem were enough to cease one woman's blood flow, while young men and women bleed to death in the streets of Chicago day after day? Why was Jairus' daughter restored to life when so many other sons and daughters were not? It's not that we shouldn't celebrate when miracles happen. I just don't always know how to do it under the long shadow that is cast when miracles do not happen. There is a part of me that dreads these stories. After all, how many people have been duped by phony healers offering false hopes? How many people have forsaken their faith after the cure they prayed for never came? The last thing we should do is turn these stories into the false hope that everything is always going to be okay. That simply is not true. Things fall apart. Cars collide, cancer comes back, people we love more than life itself slip away. My approach to the Bible, though, can be boiled down to this. I trust that it contains good news. I trust that it contains good news. Even when it seems to usher us into alleys of doubt or dish out a little too much fire and brimstone for comfort, I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is just that, good news. So what is the good news here? For me, It emerges when we pay attention to what the miracles mean in the grand scheme of things, the eternal scheme of things. Jesus participated in three kinds of ministry, preaching, teaching, and healing. And the focus of his ministry was always always on the kingdom of God. He preached about the kingdom of God. He taught about the kingdom of God. And while this doesn't really make sense grammatically, he healed about the kingdom of God. If you remember, Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God like a tiny seed, tiny seed, buried in the ground that grows into a vast tree that hosts bird nests and squirrels, maybe even a tire swing. I think that's the way miracles are, too. They are pocket-sized signs of what is to come. Miracles are not about the luck of the draw. Maybe you get healed, maybe you don't. These incredible miracles reveal God's intentions for creation. They reveal something about the kingdom of God. God will put an end to our suffering. God will put an end to our suffering. It may not be today, Or tomorrow, but there is a much bigger picture here than any of us are capable of seeing. We are all far too nearsighted. The Gospel, the Revelation of John, says it best. John wrote, God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more mourning or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. We aren't so big on memorizing scripture around here, but this is a good one to tuck in your heart. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And those miracles, they are just another way of saying the exact same thing. They paraphrase the promise of resurrection in vibrant detail. Women who have been robbed of their health and isolated from society will be restored to vitality and community. Children who have breathed their last will awaken as if from an afternoon nap. Parents who once mourned will rejoice. So, I guess I have to take back what I said. I can, in good conscience, preach that Christ will cure all our ailments. Christ came to restore a brutally broken creation, to plant the tiny seeds of the kingdom of God. We may not be healed in the manner or time frame of our preference. That woman would never reclaim the 12 years she lost to her hemorrhage. The profound grief Jairus experienced when his daughter died was not erased by her resurrection. But the healing power of Jesus Christ still clothed them with gladness, eventually. The gospel can be twisted into something it is not. And it is our job to let the Holy Spirit guide us as we untwist it and recover the truth and reclaim the good news. Jesus is the great physician, compassionately reaching out to mend his beloved brothers and sisters, even, perhaps, of our ambivalence. Miracles are a reason for joy and comfort and hope even when they come after years of loss and grief. We will not be duped or disappointed if we heed the command of Jesus to believe and not be afraid. When the kingdom of God is finally realized, God's will done on earth as it is in heaven, we will be utterly astonished and completely overjoyed. May it be so.